0: Tonight, and by the way, if you have a, a cell phone, please, just you're, you're welcome to use it for recording the talks, but not for texting or uh, communicating while we're here together. Um, and I'm recording this for the podcasts, which are all available on Dharma Punks with an XNYC for free. You can download from the 285, I think, that are up there right now. So um, tonight's talk is uh, the three tools that the Buddha provided to develop peace, uh, to cultivate the mind, the three core tools that allow us to develop and train the mind to move away from the way we normally operate it, which, uh, as the Buddha says, very often creates needless worry stress, fear, and self-centered thoughts, uh, three tools that allow us in life to uh, unconditionally develop greater ease and happiness. And they're listed in the Eightfold Path under the section known as uh, Samadhi, or uh, Cultivating Peace and Tranquility, uh, otherwise known as Bhavana. And, um, which means to develop the mind. It's been translated into the word meditation, but really the Buddha used the word to cultivate or to develop the mind. And the three tools are concentration, mindfulness, and uh, effort. Uh, and they're all kind of wackily, or they're named in ways that are not very helpful. So, I'm going to describe what they really are, how to work with them, uh, how they're properly used in conjunction to develop ease and peace in life, and uh, ways that they're often misused. So, the first tool, concentration, is really what we did today in the breath meditation, focusing on an object. It can be uh, an object like the breath. It can be other objects, the sound of uh, something that's repeating. Uh, In my tradition, we tend to use internal sensations like the breath or body sensations. And what we do is we focus the mind on maintaining a constant awareness on a single object that goes and repeats and sustains. And then we learn to work with this sensation or this object, for example, the breath, to develop a sense of peace. Now, simply focusing the mind, uh, a lot of neuroscience shows, a wonderful study by Harvard shows, the more you focus the mind on a task and don't allow the mind to wander wherever it wants, just that in and of itself is um, very... Skillful. When the mind is allowed to go wherever it wants, a part of the uh, uh, four regions called the PCC, uh, which is a region involving the cingulate, uh, basically kicks in what's known as default mode, allowing your, your thoughts to go wherever they want. And that sounds pretty pleasant, right? You know, just idly sitting there in front of the computer... Uh, allowing the thoughts to wander. But unfortunately, the problem is is that our thoughts tend to wander directly towards the, the areas or the thoughts that uh, create the most stress. We don't go towards uh, uh, ponderings that bring a sense of peace or ease. It's a little bit, to use the analogy, like a puppy. And you bring the puppy to a large field and you turn away from it, and you talk to a friend, the next thing you know, it's playing with a syringe or eating another dog's, another dog's shed, or it's rolling around in antifreeze, or it's running around with a broken glass in its mouth, and it's, you know, it's attacking a far larger dog that could eat it instantly. And, uh, so the mind tends to go towards things that feel really good to chew on in our thoughts, they're like, we like the, um, the junk food of thoughts. The junk food of thoughts, the candy of thoughts, the sugar of thoughts, the Mars bar of thoughts, the Snickers bar of thoughts is, one, myself, and two, speculation. Things that I don't know about. Put the two together and you have the miracle growth of suffering in the brain. <laughs> so... What's going to happen to me in the future? There's no way you could possibly know. What do other people think about me? There's no way you could possibly know. How do I compare with other people? Am I normal? None of this shit you could possibly ever know. It's pure speculation. So you add the mirac- the, the ingredients of self and speculation, and the mind can just play in that garbage forever. <laughs> And the problem is it doesn't provide any nutrients at all. It prov- prov- What it creates in the mind, uh, just like eating candy, I guess, raises your blood sugar level. Uh, this raises your brain stress level. So, focusing the mind on a task, Harvard, in this wonderful paper called A uh, Wandering Mind is Not a Happy Mind, they determined that When the mind is focused on a task, just that, the getting out of the default mode network into a state of flow, actually is stress-reducing. The more we focus the mind on a specific task, even if it's just as simple as watching the breath or doing something very simple with the hands or listening to the sound of waves or whatever, just that is very peace-inducing. And then on top of that, like we did in the meditation, we can work with awareness to calm the mind. We can elen- we can lengthen the breath if there's a lot of stress or agitation in the mind if the mind is jumpy to develop calm. Or if the mind is tired, we can make the in-breath full and hold it and energize the mind. So we can develop greater states of absorption and tranquility and bliss simply by working with an object and not allowing our thoughts to pull awareness wherever they want. So that's concentration. The second tool is mindfulness. And mindfulness is the... Whereas concentration focuses the mind on a single object and keeps it there, mindfulness allows the awareness to move through several objects. Mindfulness, essentially, at its root or at its core, takes our attention away from all the things going on in the world around us and pulls awareness internally. But in doing so, it allows us to move through a succession of different arenas where we can focus awareness. We don't have to keep it on the breath. We can focus on first the body. Then we can focus on feeling states, emotions. We can note whether the mind is distracted or if it's present, if it's spacious, awareness feels spacious, or if it feels small. And then finally, we can even observe thoughts themselves. So mindfulness is not attached, fixed to one single object. It is actually free to observe uh, objects of awareness as they present themselves. But there's a couple of keys to developing this in a way that's useful to develop insights. Um, for example, you're in a stressful conversation with someone. You feel uncomfortable during the conversation. The tendency in life is to blame the other person. Oh, I'm uncomfortable? It's so-and-so's fault. We go into a situation in life <laughs> where we feel uh, 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 just not settled, not comfortable in our own skin. And we tend to blame all of our internal states on the world around us. And yet, the insight that mindfulness provides to us is an awareness of just how much of our experience, our feelings of uh, ease and comfort, uh, boil down to internal states. What's going on inside, not outside. And we'll talk about this a little later, but the tools we use are nicely summarized in a process that a teacher named Michelle McDonald that I actually was on a retreat with in Thailand a while back um, calls the RAIN, which is recognize. So when there's something going on, pull awareness away from what's going on around us if we feel stressed out, panicky, worried, uh, bored, whatever sensation, whatever experience is going on in life, pull awareness from the world around us, bring it internally, and recognize what is the dominant experience. Often it's something in the body or in the breath. So if I feel anxious, I might first pull awareness from the environment around me and just note what's going on with the breath. Is the breath Shallow, hyperventilating. Is it very, very quick? Are my out breaths very, very uh, shallow? And then I might notice the body. If I'm anxious, maybe the shoulders will be tight. If I'm lonely, maybe the chest might feel hollow. If I'm frightened or worried, maybe the stomach might feel tight. The body expresses our feelings and emotional states. And then I'll notice what kind of awareness. So this is all recognizing and allowing means to, instead of resisting what's going on, allow it to be present so that we can move on to the next state of ring which would be investigate. Simply see how all the factors of the breath, the body, the mind, and thoughts together create our experience. And because she had to have an end Every acronym always has one dodgy element in it. Yeah. One where they're like just desperately trying to make it into a word. The N stands for not identified. So whatever's going on, don't turn it into a story about yourself, who you are. It's just a fleeting experience that's occurring right now. So again, recognize means pull awareness away from the world around us and bring it internally. A, acknowledge, allow, whatever you want A to be. Just something like allow, accept, acknowledge. I don't remember which one she used, but it's one of those. Uh, Which means don't resist, hold, create a safe space for what's going on internally. When we resist, that's when we create the bulk of our suffering. So much times in life when we're experiencing... um, Discomfort, agitation, worry. We either try to get rid of it by changing the people or the situation around us or we try to repress, suppress what's going on internally and none of those strategies work. You can't get rid of emotions and you can't change people. (laughs) But we can create a safe space to allow emotional states to arise and pass. So... A, allow, acknowledge, accept, I, investigate to see how it works. What can we gently soften? What can we play with? And N, not identify. Don't turn this into a story about you. Don't turn this into my depression, my sadness, my fear, my anxiety, my anger. It's just a state. So that's mindfulness. And the third What the Buddha called effort really means, in essence, learning how to, when we're in a rut, when we're stuck in life, when we're fixated, when we're caught up in an obsessive thought, to learn how to substitute or replace unskillful thoughts with skillful ones. So, if concentrating is simply keeping the mind focused on an object... And mindfulness is allowing the mind to move about internally through all the different components of our experience. Effort is, in essence, seeing when something's unskillful and replacing it with something that's skillful. So, for example, we might at times uh, be triggered by something and we spend a lot of time focusing on it, that bill. That arrives, that we're worried about that we can't pay, or the, uh, the phone message from the accountant, or the thing that we don't want to do. And so we push away and face it, and we push away. And sometimes the simplest thing to do is to first take a skillful thought and bring it to mind so that we're not caught up in this battle. And then cultivate calmness so that we can return once again to dealing with whatever we're avoiding. Another example is sometimes we're caught up in craving for something that we can't have. And so in that situation when we crave an old relationship, crave uh, a time in life when, or an object that we want but we can't have, bring to mind thoughts of gratitude. Bring to mind thoughts of of, of times that we've known peace in our lives. We might be caught up in feelings of shame and regret, in which case we can replace those thoughts with thoughts of our virtue, the times we've helped other people, we've been kind and compassionate, the people that we love and we care about, how we've interacted with them. So all of these three tools... Concentrating the mind, bringing awareness internally and allowing it to investigate experience as a series of components, or three, learning to substitute out unskillful thoughts and things that we're focusing on to skillful thoughts such as metta, gratitude, compassion, appreciation. All of these three tools are meant to work in tandem, to be used in our meditation and used in our daily lives. Now, a lot of people tend to fall back on simply one. Sometimes in today's uh, practice, people tend to be caught up on insight, which is essentially mindfulness. And they don't use or learn how to concentrate the mind, nor do they learn to uh, swap thoughts. And if we only do insight, if we only just focus on the arising and passing of experience and what creates our internal uh, emotional states, then we never get to experience the bliss of concentration, the joy that can come from focusing the mind. Nor do we ever learn to get ourselves out of the ruts when we're caught up and really just wrapped up in an obsessive thought that if we only simply that if instead of fighting or figuring out, we simply learn how to replace substitute and find ease on the other hand, some people for many years uh, Buddhist practice in the West centered on simply concentration and if we only do concentration, then our practice can become avoidant because if we 're simply focusing the mind always on the breath, then we don't greet the underlying emotional states that need attention. We don't acknowledge our sadness. We don't see what's comprising our fear, the thoughts that need awareness, the emotional states that need acknowledgement. We don't recognize what's going on. We're using concentration as a tool to push away the difficult experiences of life. If we rely on simply replacing thoughts, which a lot of people in 12-step culture do, then there's a big emphasis in 12-step culture to simply do gratitude lists, no matter what. Uh, and to pray, which is essentially thought substituting. That's what prayer is, just substituting sc- stressful thoughts. What's going to happen to me? With God, please help me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's great. But the problem is... What we do when we don't have any of the other tools of mindfulness and concentration, if we simply are constantly replacing thoughts, is we're both being avoidant. We're never experiencing the bliss and joy of a concentrated, peaceful mind. And we're making the mind just this constant, sort of, like, totalitarian machine of always needing to get rid of stuff. Substituting thoughts really should be something that we do last, after investigation, after we've tried concentrating the mind. Only when we see we're really stuck do we go into this practice, this third tool. So let's talk about a really skillful way we can use all three of these together. Um, Very often in life, I'll use the beach because it's the easiest one. Uh, Most people love the beach. You don't meet too many people that hate the beach. So it's a nice tool to use. If you hate the beach, just go with me. Uh, <laughs> so w- most people love the beach. Like, oh great, it's a beach day, yay, beach day, beach day. You know. <laughs> beach day song, you know. Uh, picture Ren and Stimpy doing a beach day song. We're all, we all, uh... so what do we love about the beach? Well, uh, lying down on a towel, feeling the warmth of the sun, hearing the sound of the waves coming in and going out, the body feeling really relaxed, and the mind allowing all the worries and plans of the city life to be hundreds of miles away as we simply uh, give ourselves permission to relax. Now, if we associate our happiness and our peace that happens on the beach with being on the beach, if we say that our happiness is caused by the beach, then we've made our happiness in life conditional. It's dependent upon a warm, sunny day where we can get a ride out to Fort Tilden where all the other hipsters are or whatever. So that we... Is it open? Is Fort Tilden open? I don't know. It is. Okay, yeah. So we uh, we need all those conditions to be met. If it's raining, if it's cold, if we can't get a ride... You know, if the people we're with in the car are irritating, if we immediately get to our spot and we have to go to the bathroom and we're, you know, really persnickety, we had to get a space that's a million miles away from the bathroom, then all of the happiness is conditional. But if we realize, what is it that really created my joy when I'm on the beach? Well, what is it really is I'm relaxed, I'm not allowing my mind to go to the thoughts that cause needless stress and suffering, like planning the future or regretting the past. I'm staying present, and I'm listening to the sound of the waves while I'm allowing myself to feel the feeling of the warmth on the skin. When you examine this through mindfulness, mindfulness shows us that you could do that any time you ever wanted. You could have a beach-like experience every moment of your life. In the middle of the winter, you could stop what you're doing, you could simply find a comfortable position, feel the warmth on your skin, feel yourself relaxing the body, hear the, or feel the waves of the breath coming in and going out, and give yourself permission to put aside all the thoughts And the worries and the stories and the dramas that are creating agitation. In fact, the bulk of the happiness that the beach produces is in fact absolutely available unconditionally to us all the time. But it's only through investigating it through mindfulness that you learn what's creating the peace in your life and then how to recreate it. And then you recreate it using some of the other tools. You focus, concentrate the mind on the breath for a while, like you concentrate on the waves, or you concentrate the mind on relaxing the body so that you're not caught up in the thoughts that cause suffering. And then if there are thoughts that cause suffering, you use substitution to replace them, to reminding yourself of being on the beach, what that felt like. All of these tools you can use any time. And what, in tandem together, they form an incredible tool chest that in any situation in life can create so much greater states of ease. On the other hand, let's look at a situation where... Uh, um, uh, what's a dire situation? Ah, I know. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're working for a living. God forbid. You're working for a living, and uh, your boss comes in and says, I'd like to see you first thing Monday morning, and it's Friday afternoon. Well, for most of us, we'd be fucked, right? The entire weekend would be kind of screwed. Uh, And we would blame all the suffering on the fact that the boss wants to talk to us and we don't know what it is and how dare they and why can't they just tell me now and if you're going to fire me, why make me come in on Monday and what the fuck's the matter with you anyway and you you know what did I do? And, and so what happens is speculation and ourselves. We go back into the I and speculation and we go into the future and into the unknown and we're suffering. We're no longer present. The body becomes stressed out and tight. We're no longer aware of what's happening to us. And suddenly the forehead becomes uh, wrinkled and, and the muscles around the eyes contract and we're in, that son of a bitch! And we're contracted against the world and armored and, and ready to go into battle. And how much of that is really, how much of the suffering is really about the external event? Very little in comparison to how much we're creating adding the thoughts about the future, tightening the body, body, hyperventilating, becoming contracted, becoming defensive, getting lost in speculation. All of that is internal stuff that's added to an external experience that's fleeting and could be anything. And that's what we do throughout life when we're uncomfortable. And if we use mindfulness... We can bring the awareness within and see how much of the suffering right now am I adding by the way I'm breathing, holding the body, by how contracted my mind is around the story or the drama. Can I be aware of all the sensations around me, the feeling of the body, the clothes on my skin? Can I take in the sounds around me? Can I let go of all these thoughts about the future by giving myself a test? Again, we're using mindfulness, we're using concentration, and we're substituting thoughts, all together in tandem. So, no matter what you're doing in life, the process always is mindfulness first, then concentrating the mind, if it's, you know, on something that's skillful, and replacing the obsessive worries with something... That's skillful when we're caught up. I hope there was something of value. I thank you for listening. And now we will go to the question time.